Well, I think companies that are very good at building the kind of culture and value proposition that people want to be a part of, right? So yep. it's that culture that builds that. And I think of it in terms of, well, in terms of sports, you know, recruiting an in, in individual for a sports team. The first you're going to look at, first element is you're going to look at somebody that has the skills, right, to perform. But you're also looking at performance skills. So there's two components. There's the technical skills. Can you throw a ball? But then there's a performance. How do you interact? How do you feed out? How do you work? In, in, in situations that are always changing dynamic. And they also, the third component that I think sports teams use or look for is potential. Potential is key. And especially because you have to build different layers of, of capabilities, but you have to find the potential. But I am the world's biggest super fan. You're like a super fan. Welcome to the Business Superfans Podcast. We will discuss how establishing business superfans from customers, employees, and business partners can elevate your success exponentially. Learn why these advocates are a key factor to achieving excellence in the world of commerce. We discuss the invaluable insights of business owners who have successfully implemented the strategies in the book to build their own team of devoted superfans. Gain insightful knowledge from the experts who create applications to help you create passionate superfans. This is the Business Superfans Podcast with your host, Freddie D. Have you encountered language barriers with non-English speaking clients? Are language communication challenges hindering your business opportunities? For top-notch language services, choose A Foreign Language Service. They facilitate communications in over 400 languages, enhancing your offerings and driving success. As Arizona's premier language provider for over 30 years, they offer elite interpreting and translation services, including American Sign Language, nationwide. With a focus on excellence, they provide 24-7 telephonic and video interpreting with a live interpreter in under 60 seconds. Request telephonic, video, or in-person interpreting. They also offer translation for documents, courseware, software, and websites, as well as audio transcription and voiceovers. Trust in their expertise for effective language communication solutions for your business needs. Get in touch today at 844-813-4242 or explore their services at 400-400-languages.com. Well, I think companies that are very good at building the kind of culture and value proposition that people want to be a part of, right? So it's that culture that builds that. And I think of it in terms of, well, in terms of sports, you know, recruiting an in, in individual for a sports team. The first you're going to look at, first element is you're going to look at somebody that has the skills, right, to perform. But you're also looking at performance skills. So there's two components. There's the technical skills. Can you throw a ball? But then there's a performance. How do you interact? How do you feed out? How do you work in 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 situations that are always changing dynamic. And they also, the third component that I think sports teams use or look for is potential. Potential is key. And especially because you have to build different layers of, of capabilities, but you have to find the potential. Have you ever faced the challenges of a language barrier with non-English speaking clients? You need the expertise of my friends at A Foreign Language Service, known as the 400 Language People. They bridge the communication gap, empowering you to connect in over 400 languages and enhance your services and your ability to achieve greater success. 
For over 29 years, the Foreign Language Service has been Arizona's top language interpreting and translation agency. They offer high-quality interpreting and translation services in over 400 languages, including American Sign Language, ASL, nationwide. With a strong commitment to quality, they have become a trusted provider in the industry. They provide a wide range of services, including on-demand, 24-7 telephonic and video interpreting. Connect with the live interpreter in just about 60 seconds. Reschedule telephonic and video interpreting, on-site in-person interpreting, document and courseware translation, software and website translation, transcription, and voiceovers. Their offerings cater to diverse language needs, ensuring efficient communication and accurate translations for your business. For all your language communication needs, trust A Foreign Language Service to help you communicate effectively. Reach out to them today at 844-813-4242 or visit their website at 400-languages.com. Welcome to the Business Superfan Podcast. Our guest today is Michael McDonald, with MWM Search. Welcome, Michael. Hey, thank you, Freddie. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. So, Michael, tell us about how you got started into the uh, recruiting industry. Fred, how much time do we have here? I guess a half hour, right? Well, let me kind of bring it down and synthesize it. I started while I was in school, I, I took a position in retail, and that helped me pay my tuition. And so I was a retail salesperson. And so after school, after I got my degree, I found a company, a family-owned business, and they had 20 stores in the Midwest, Wisconsin, Illinois. That's where I'm originally from, in Chicago. And so I took a position with them and started as an assistant uh, store manager, and then I moved into retail store manager. But I saw that it was a family-owned business, so I wanted to move up in the company, and I realized pretty quickly that the culture wasn't going to allow that. They were going to hire people in their family. So that's what drove me to actually find my second position, which working for a meat company in Illinois, right? And I'll tie all this together. And the meat company wanted to get into retail. They wanted to sell wholesale. So they need a sales guy that had a personality to go out and talk with retail people and, and sell them. At the time, it was, you know, sliced beef and things of that nature, right? So I did that for a while. And then the, the company changed direction. So I was, well, I think they used to call it, they used to call it right-sizing them when they let you go. And I couldn't figure out who it was right for because it certainly wasn't right for me. And I guess it was right for them, right? So the next position I found was through a recruiting company. And they kept casting me out to find a job. And I'd come in as a strong sec because I didn't have the technical back. Eventually, they liked my tenacity. So they said, hey, have you ever thought of being a recruiter? You have to deal with a lot of rejection. So I said, no, I hadn't. So they gave me a book on CNC, CAM. And I learned the terminology. And I talked to anybody that would talk to me and learned how to what was required in the skills. And that led me, after a while, the company that hired me split up, the two partners. And so I formed a partnership. And that was my first opportunity to be in my own business. I had it with my partner. And we did that for about eight years. It was CAD CAM specialists. So we were in the computer graphics industry. Pardon me? That's, and, where, and we that's met, where you and I met. You, you, right. you placed me in a couple of positions over those years. I mean, decades right. and we're, ago. And we're still talking. How that, yes. How's that? So yeah. there you go. So what that led me to, I had that business for about eight years. And then we decided to split for various reasons. And I started my own business. But what I have to say is when I look at my career and I went over this a little bit, I thought, you know, there's some common threads here that I've always, what kept me motivated and moving forward. And I will talk about this today. And when I could, you know, number one, I liked helping people. So all the positions that I had was kind of a helping position. I like creativity and I like problem solving. And that's what selling is in many ways. And I like the ownership 
right? So those are the themes that I look at that have been drivers for me in my business and brought me to where I'm at 28 years now in recruiting. That's a long time to be in that career. I mean, most people don't last that long in those type of careers. So you know, that's I, I think it's because of your integrity me. and the way you've handled people. And like I say, I have personal experience because I think you placed me in at least five different organizations uh, back right. in the day. And you always gave me good advice, gave me good direction. And I always got the W and I always got the job. So, you know, my right. thank you back to you because well, you, you helped my career. Another reason I'm happy with what I do. I like helping people. That's great. And it shows. It, it comes yep. across. I mean, like I say, we've known each other for decades. Yeah. So what strategies do businesses use or should use to attract the most talented employees? Well, I think companies that are very good at building the kind of culture and value proposition that people want to be a part of, right? So yep. it's that culture that builds that. And I think of it in terms of, well, in terms of sports, you know, recruiting in, in individuals for a sports team. The first you're going to look at, first element is you're going to look at somebody that has the skills, right, to perform. But you're also looking at performance skills. So there's two components. There's the technical skills. Can you throw a ball? But then there's a performance. How do you interact? How do you feed out? How do you work in, in, in situations that are always changing dynamic? And they also, the third component that I think sports teams use or look for is potential. Potential is key. And especially because you have to build different layers of, of capabilities, but you have to find that potential. And I look at you in your career, Freddie. I think, you know, who was the one that saw when you were an application engineer, you talk about this in your book, that said, hey, you know, I see a lot of similarities to a sales position we're looking to fill because Freddie's got tenacity. He can overcome a, your job as an application engineer. You learn how to overcome objections. You learn how to solve problems, right? Deal with different, read different systems when you're presenting information. The only thing that holds a lot of people back in making a transition from an application engineer to a salesperson is something that you don't have and they have, and that is they don't ask for the order. They keep talking about the technology and this is that, and this is all great. Well, wait, let's get to the bottom line. We have right. something to sell, let's sell it. And that's right. something that someone saw. They saw that potential in you. And as a result, they made millions of dollars. Yeah. So that's a good example, I think. I also think about what Jim Collins, and maybe you read his book, you know, Good to Great. Mm -hmm. It's a great book. And I'll quote Jim. He goes, one of the things that leaders can do to put their company on the path of greatness, or at least the path of being a great, of being greater than just good, is to hire the right people. If you hire the right people, you're going to have the right culture development. And also, every time you hire someone into your company, you're determining the path that your company is going to take. Is it going to be an average company? Because I'm hiring average people. Is it going to be a good company? Or is it going to be a great company? So I think those are important things to look at. On So attracting, keeping people, attracting people is the culture now you bring. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100% agree with that because you look at a business and if you really own the business, you should be able to walk away from that business and that business should be able to run by itself. And if it cannot run by itself, by the team you've got in place, you really have a glorified job. I mean, that that's the reality of it. And so it's not a business, it's a glorified job. But if you're right. absolutely 100%, if you got a team that's got a good culture and they're credible people, they care about the company because they know the company cares about them, 
they'll take care of the business. They'll take care of the customers. They'll handle it and you don't have to worry about it. So 100% agree. Right. And so how can managers ensure that their employees are satisfied and it's a perfect segue and, and motivated at work so that they become super fans of the company that they're working for and they're sharing that with their friends, their families and, and associates that they know? Well, here again, you hire motivated people, you onboard them, and you don't demotivate them. Back to culture again. Hire the right people. Hire people that are motivated. I think we have to agree that most people are motivated. But in what direction and in what way? And it comes from the culture, how it directs people, how it values people. So when you're interviewing people, you're looking not just for the skills, but you're looking for performance. Because past behavior is a better predictor of future performance. So if you want to get motivated people, satisfy people, employees, and keep them motivated, you hire them from the right ones from the beginning. I think about this particular this one individual that I placed as a VP of sales. And when he went in, he was told one thing. And then several weeks later, he was still trying to find his compensation package, still trying to get direction. And the CEO of the company and the FCFO of the company were at odds. And it was really demotivating him. And so finally, he called me up and I said, you need to face this. You need to call the CEO, tell them what you're feeling, get it out and talk about it. Communication is really important. Help people work through things. You know, there's, the estimate is 70% of new hires or hires determine whether they're going to leave a company within six months. 70% of people will determine whether they're going to stay with the company. So that onboarding and that Support is so important. Some companies have it or they don't. Hire you and they put you in a position and then you don't hear from them unless there's an issue. Can you share a story of how you helped a company sort of identify the type of individual that they would be looking for? That's what I do for all the time, Freddie. <laughs> well, that's what I want you to share. I know that you yeah. do that. Share how you go about doing that. Thank you. I can say it in, in three words. Skills, personality, culture. So how you go about hiring people is you sit down and you look at the skills you need, but that's, I've hired people, I have to say that we're 70% of the skills required. I've never hired a 100% person in my career. I've hired lots of people. And what makes a difference is those second two components, having the right personality traits, how a person's wired. And then secondly, and next having the culture, take a person out of one culture, put them into another, and you're not going to have the same value. And I can refer you to this book. It's called The Gods of Management. And it's a great book. It talks about culture. It talks about how you feel and how you're valued. And so those are the ways. We look at the skills, yes. But I'll come back to my client and we'll put the skills in one category. Once we've met those, we're going to also come back and we're going to look at that personality. So we use behavioral interviewing in our interviewing process. So we'll set up because past behavior is a better indicator of future performance. So we'll also identify and qualify those that's in most job descriptions, good writing skills, good communication skills, right? What does that mean, right? Let's, let's qualify that. Let's set up an anchor, right? And let's say maybe it's ambiguity. That's a big issue today, being able to deal with the change the world is throwing at us. So we'll have the anchor of ambiguity. We'll set up questions that are indirect questions. Tell me about a time. So it's storytelling. Tell me a story 
about your experience in the past. I don't care if it was yesterday or 10 years ago. And from that story, you'd be surprised how much you'll find out about it. Mm -hmm. And then, and so then we use that in conjunction with the skills. And then we factor in the culture. We look at our client. We have our client look at themselves introspectively and saying, well, what are you going to provide this person? What are your skills? You say you want to hire a junior, hire a person you want to met. Are you in a position to mentor? Are you in a position to develop? Are you so busy closing business and wearing three different hats that you won't give that person what that person needs to be successful? And so, again, that that relates back to retention. You know, people don't feel valued. So those are that's our approach. We have a team of researchers, a very thorough approach, but we help our clients stand, understand, I guess, in two words, what you're hiring. Secondly, who you're hiring. Very important, who you're hiring. Oh, absolutely. That's 100% because the reality is the cost of onboarding somebody is quite expensive. And then having that person quit in six months because they don't feel appreciated, the culture isn't there etc. And now you got to re onboard somebody. So the cost associated with all that stuff is astronomical. And a lot of businesses sometimes have that mindset. Well, you know, I'll just get the cheapest person in here because it's not costing me that much money. But in the end, it's really costing them a lot of money. A lot of studies done on that, Freddie, and that, and one of them that comes to mind, and it's pretty substantial. It said that it, the cost of hiring the wrong person is one and a half times their on target earnings. So if the person's going to make 100000 that year, it costs you 150000 to make that mistake. Why? Well, you think about the time you spent recruiting or hiring a recruiter. You think about the time you spent onboarding, training people. How about the loss of business? Has, he has a million-dollar quota. Well, he's not productive. You lost six months. You just lost at 40% margin. How much money did you lose? So add all that together, and there's an equation and that will, it comes up to about one and a half times the on-target expensive proposition. Oh, absolutely. And, and also be... very demotive. It also demotivates a lot of people. In the company. They start seeing people that don't fit and that are let go. And it scares people, quite frankly. And then you get a factor in, okay, let's say it's a person. And then you've got someone else that's training that person. So now you've got double loss of productivity. Because exactly. you've got that person doing the training. And if that person is not a good trainer, that sets up the new person for failure. So now they're frustrated and it just, it starts to snowballs and it's the culture just starts to fall apart. Right. Exactly. So what tactics can be used to develop a culture of loyalty? This is a perfect segue into retaining people. Because we're talking about the cost of onboarding, and then if somebody disappears, so let's talk about creating that culture to retain those people. What can be done? Right. So companies today have to be willing to flex as the work culture shifts in new ways. COVID's had a tremendous impact on how what's affected companies today. People working remote puts a lot more stress on their manager, a lot more difficulty in building a team, et cetera. And in ways that we also have to flex because we other ways that are going to come up. So I think that flexibility is really important. And I think I have to, this segues right into Freddie's book, which I brought with me, right? Oh. And chapter retention. So I'm going to quote what, what Freddie put in his book here from Carnegie. And it's people work for money, but go the extra mile for recognition, praise, and rewards. So Absolutely. you go back to how do you build loyalty? And how do you retain people? You build the right environment for them and you value them. 
And that's going to really have great impact on that, if not everything, really. Yeah. One of my quotes in the book is people will crawl through broken glass for appreciation and recognition. Right. Yeah. And I tossed it out to people and I say, am I wrong? Tell me I'm wrong. I have not heard one person yet tell me that I was wrong because it's true. As humans, we want to be appreciated and we want to be recognized. And it's one thing to say, hey, Michael, thanks a lot for a great job. I appreciate it. And it's another thing to say, hey, everybody, I want to take a moment to recognize Michael for his great effort that he's done with our companies, helped us, everything else. It changes the dynamics. It changes the dynamics in the way you feel, and it changes the dynamics in how everybody else feels in the organization. Yeah, the awareness of, of keeping and valuing people, as you put it, it's so right. And that's because, again, the job seekers today are putting a lot of emphasis on the quality of life values, right? So I want to work from home. I want to reduce my travel. I want to have fewer hours. I want to take a, a longer vacation. And you've got to have a company that flexes with that to be able to provide and support. And that's going to build the loyalty. I have to tell you about an example, a company that I worked with 20 years ago. And I was always calling this particular manager's people because I needed a certain skill. And he had about 10 people and I would call him, call them and I could never get anybody to take the job. No one, they'd all be always say, well, yeah, Mike, I'll think about it. And they come back and so on their land and interest. So one day, about a year or so later, I happened to run into this guy at a conference. Autofat conference to make to ready. You'll remember this coming conference. And I walked up to him and I said, John, I have to ask you a question. You know, every time I call your people up and I talk about a job and they'll say, Hey, that sounds really good. And then I'll get a I'll call them back and I said, Well, now I changed my mind and I'm going to stay where I'm at. And I thought, What is the secret sauce? I mean, what are you doing here that keeps that loyalty of people? And he said, You know, quite frankly, Mike, it's small things. When I hire the employee, I usually out of my own pocket, we'll give him $100 to take his wife out to dinner. If the guy has some issue, because most of the people, this is a, this position was for field service. So the guy was always on a plane. He would leave Sunday. That was the nature of the job and come back on Thursday away from his family. So if he, uh, if something came up, I would accommodate the person. And if they can, they would come to me and tell me, hey, Mike McDonald, Michael McDonald called me and told me about this job. And they'd say, what do you think, John? And, and see, sometimes I would say, you know, that's a good job. You ought to think about it. And they trusted him. And he kept it strictly confidential. But he said, I want people that want me to want to be loyal. And if they don't, then it's probably time for they leave. Really a smart guy. And again, doing back to your book, doing a lot of things that really built that loyalty yep. and trust. It's the little things that are the big things. It really yeah. is. It goes a long distance. Yeah, it's what I call the unexpected extra. It's doing something like giving that $100 to take the wife out to dinner. I mean, that's unexpected. That right. that makes a person feel, wow, this is a cool place. This guy's cool. And that sets a precedent, a positive precedent. And when he'd hire the person, I didn't tell you, this is pretty interesting. He'd send the wife a dozen roses. Thank you, welcoming her and him to our family. His name is company name. And that goes a long way, especially when you've got issues that come up that deal as people do in their family. And you've got that support of that wife behind you or significant other. Right. So, so how can companies identify steps that they can take to uh, turn their current employees into business super fans and promoting that business to everybody that, that they know? Well, I think here again, it starts really to create the environment 
that supports people's values. And I would think, I think about, there was a, there was a theorist, psychotherapist, family marriage counselor, that I had read some of her books. And basically she said, for people to feel valued and to want to be part of a company or an organization, two things have to be there. Number one, they have to feel they're being listened to. Don't have to agree with them. And then two, that you value them. You value their opinion. You don't have to agree with them. Those two things can be very powerful in developing the kind of spirit that a, a person is and a company is, for that matter, that will be, turn them into supporting their company, wanting to be sponsoring their company and endorsing their company. And especially in today with all the ways social media, uh, first thing a lot of people do is they'll go out and glass story, find out what your people think, why they left, why they're staying. So it's really those little things. Again, recognition goes a long way and uh, thanking them and building that environment that people feel that they've trusted. And they, they talk about that. That wins people over. I think also things that having team sports and creating this environment, of exciting place to be. It isn't just about a job, right? It's more. And again, I have to say in this world we live in today, and a lot of younger people, they really look at that quality of life very, very importantly. Oh, absolutely. That's 100% uh, true. And you mentioned a good th thing there was that letting people voice their opinions and keeping your mouth shut and what the, because you may not agree with it, but you give them the recognition to be able to state their perception because an individual's perception is their reality, right or wrong. It's, and that's how they see it. And surprisingly, I've had experiences where I've had people talk about stuff and I completely dis did, did not agree with their perception. But as I thought about it and I looked into it, their perception made sense because of certain things that have taken place. And so you make some tweaks to those things and all of a sudden their perception starts changing into a more positive manner. So it's creating an, a, a culture where people feel comfortable to being able to go up to management and be able to suggest ideas or communicate their frustrations and everything else without the worry of a reprisal. Right, exactly. And some cultures are more in tune to that than others. And that's why I have to say, I'm promoting this guy's book because Ezra's book also, it's God's a management. So how does it feel to work in a culture? How are you valued? And in some cultures, unfortunately, people can feel like they're invisible within that culture. And you have to help them see them as a valued contributor to the company. So it puts the onus on the manager and the comp to do that. Yeah, because I've run into companies and talked with people that says, well, you know, they should be grateful. I'm giving them a job. And I just shake my head and says, wait a minute, no employees, no business. So let's right. change that mindset because that's not the right mindset. And it comes across... And so now you got employees that are doing the bare minimum because they know that they're a commodity and there's no value placed on them. And this, of course, as you experienced and I in my career and companies I've worked where you're dealing with people that are micromanagers, it extinguishes people. It extinguishes them. And they yeah. certainly don't feel valued. They don't feel like they have any ownership at all. This is the way you do it. This is my way or the highway. So how can people work and how long can they work in that kind of environment? Not very long. No, or you got an environment where they get verbally trained. I mean, here's a doozy. So you get into an environment where people are verbally trained 
So no SOPs, standing operating procedures, no scope of work, no none of that stuff. It's a verbal training. And then when mistakes are made, because we only remember 20% of what we're told, you, they start chastising the people. You did this wrong. This is wrong. Why didn't you remember to do this and that? And now the person starts to feel belittled and it just snowballs. It completely snowballs. And I have to say, and this is what I, and I talked at the beginning of our conversation, what we do and how we do our, our search process is keeping the candidate informed, helping the candidate understand the environment. So how many times, and maybe this has happened to you a couple of times, you go in, you're told something in the interview process, and you, your first week you get in there, you look, go, this isn't what I signed up for. Yeah, what absolutely. The, they never told me this. And so I think it goes back to this. So the understanding the culture is on the ownership is too on the candidate. And this is a whole different subject. Looking at the culture he's getting, he or she's getting himself into. So back to this book, The Gods of Management, he does a real great job, Charles Handy, years of experience in organizational development. And I'll give you an example. He used the Greek god, the Zeus god. And maybe this is, I'm sure you've experienced this. So in the Zeus culture, the symbol of the Zeus culture is a spider web. And Zeus is the spider in the center of the web. And it's called a trust culture. So everything, and this is usually an entrepreneur, everything's in Zeus's head. You never know when you're doing a good job, but you know real quickly when you're doing a bad job. Right. And Zeus comes in on Friday and he says, we're going to do it this way, right? And everyone rallies to the ship. We're going to do it that. Then Monday comes in and says, nah, I changed my mind. We're going to do it this way. And how you're valued in that culture is how Zeus sees you. If Zeus likes you. You don't even have to be performing very well and you'll do well. I'm sure you know people and so we know people, Fred, Freddie, that have had that kind of, you You wake up one day and say, how does this guy get to be a vice president? Right. I mean, he couldn't yep. even sell. Well, <laughs> It's kind of, I guess, the Peter principle. It's the Zeus culture, right? And mm -hmm. that's the way Zeus promotes him. And all of a sudden, Zeus is coming, he gets bought. And next thing you know, a guy is a superstar. Now, on the other hand, he talks about the culture that he would call the Apollo culture. And the symbol there is a Greek temple because there's pillars. And when you're in that culture, is a is all about fitting in. So you're a round peg and a round hole. And you're hired for a certain job. You can move vertically if no one's ahead of you and you're politically correct. It's hard to move over to another pillar, fiefdom, because it threatens everybody. So here, you want to be creative? Here's a coloring book. Let's stay in those lines. <laughs> and that's what you're going to get. And there's only so many guys that are going to make over their quota because it's not about standing out. It's about fitting in. So you can imagine, Freddie, you take a manager from that culture, put him in a Zeus culture, or vice versa, right? Or let's go to the fact if you're an employee and you go in and you're used to a Zeus culture, or and then you go into a Apollo culture, you go, what? Wow, where am I at? Right? What people don't think about as important as it is, it's a great book for people that are looking for a job or people that are also managing. So how do you move and work in that culture? Yeah, yeah absolutely correct. I mean, culture is everything in a company, and people will stay in an organization because it's a great culture and, and they feel appreciated, they're happy to do their jobs. And, and it becomes not so much about money anymore. It's about the fact that they enjoy what they're doing. They enjoy working for that company. And it's a completely different mindset than it is, oh, I got to go to this office again. And I got to go and do this, sit here for eight hours, do this crap. It's right. a different mindset. Right. I can tell you that after hiring many people over the last 30 years now, 
many different companies, different cultures, the glue that holds people together is feeling valued. And money isn't the only driver. And I guess I think about the movie, good when you build it, they will come, right? When you right. build it, they will come. And I think it's the same thing. When you build the right environment, people will come to that environment. Word will spread, the employees in that company, they'll talk to other people. You'll have a draw. They'll yeah, because you're, the employees will become business super fans. They'll be promoting it. Other businesses that work in conjunction with that business will be saying, hey, man, that's a great place. How do I get to work for them? Yeah. And, yeah. and it just, it, it starts the machine rolling. And right. that's so important that it's, unfortunately, some large companies have got that figured out. And then some small companies have got that figured out. But a lot of times the really small companies or medium-sized companies don't have it figured it out. Right. And I think it started, you know, you talked, when you talked a little bit about the interviewing process that we use, I think the interviewing process itself, there's a here and now in the interviewing process. So what you get in the process while you're interviewing is pretty much what you're going to get if you hire the person or what the person's going to get if they're hired by the call. So if you're going, if you're sending your resume in and you're looking at an opportunity and the, the company keeps pushing off, changing the time that you've scheduled, right, to interview. They bring you into the interview and it's supposed to be an hour you set it aside and all of a sudden it's a half hour, right? So all that experience should start to make you think about what am I getting myself into here? Because if I get this in the interview, what am I going to get this if they hire me? Are they giving me the, the scoop, right? The right scoop. And I think it's, so I think it's important to have an interview process that's that values people as they move because most of the people you want are employed or from a competitor. So you have to value them because they talk to other people and it makes it really difficult for companies to recover from that. I don't right. think they realize the impact. They say there we're a separation of six, but I think it's closer than that. And people talk, especially in certain industries, the industry that I came from, Freddie, I mean, that, it, it expanded and then it contracted, but people right. stayed in touch and word spreads. What's yep. the first thing you do? When you're hiring someone, you call someone up, hey, Freddie, are you interested? I'm over here. Would you like to come over and work with me? Why? Because you know who they are. Whatever Freddie is, I, I can throw anything at him and he'll learn it and he'll, you know, the personality, really. And there's a great instrument that we use. It's, we recommend it's called the OAD, Organizational Analysis Design. It's a simple test. It's a survey. It's not a personality thing. It's a survey and on skills. And what it looks at is it looks at seven traits assertiveness, extroversion, patience, and detail. Then it looks at versatility, creativity, and emotional control. Those seven traits graphed out. And now you get a pattern of a person, of their of what they like, you know, how they'll fit. And if you're looking for a hunter, a sales guy, you're going to find someone up in the upper right. He's going to be a generalist, but he's also going to be socially oriented. If you're looking for a programmer, he's probably going to be a specialist on the bottom. And he's going to be a technically oriented person, right? Mm -hmm. And so by giving a survey before you finalize the interview, you get a pattern of someone. And now you can explore that with them and find out a little bit more. I'm hiring a hunter. I want someone that's very high assertive extroversion. Patience, not so much because I want him to close. Detail, he's probably not going to be that detailed. You're going to have to hunt him down for his expense account because he's looking to do in business, right? He's a hunter. And if you want the farmer... I hate to use that, but people identify with it. Some of that you're assigning accounts to develop those accounts. You're probably hiring someone that has is assertive, somewhat more extroverted, or as ex extroverted, but more patient and more detailed because he's managing an existing account. 
But the last three are very important, and that is versatility. Some people are more versatile than others. So I give you something to do, and your job is X, Y, Z. And then I come in and I say, gee, Fred, could you help me out? I knew you took a couple of courses in accounting. Could you look at these account payable things and help me with that? So you throw stuff at them and they're versatile. They can do it. And they don't mind doing it, right? They have that built in. That's how they're wired. Other people, what you see is what you get. You give them something, that's what I was hired for. Right? They don't deviate at all. And if you change it, it's disruptive, right? That's a personality trait, right? right. So yep. if you're a startup company or you're doing a company that you're going to go through some change, you better hire that guy with high versatility. Also, emotional control. If you want someone that's managing people, you want a high practicality, but a balanced emotion too. But you don't want someone that's totally emotional control on that rating. And then the last thing, creativity. I give some someone to do and it doesn't work out. That's okay. Freddie will come back and say, you know, this isn't working out. But I got it. I thought about this. What if we try this, right? That creativity is so important. Those three traits are the most important, I think, in any hire, especially in today's world. Very important, but it's a great instrument. And those kind of tools people can incorporate in their hiring process, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to improve their hiring decision phenomenon. Right. Okay. We'll have to have another conversation about from the employee perspective. But, oh, thank uh, you. Yeah. So how can people find you, Michael? My website is mwmsearch.com. So mwmsearch.com. And my phone number is 831-646-0300. I'm on the West Coast, but I work throughout North America. And that's the best way to get through to me. Okay. And what do you have, what do you have for our listeners? What are you offering our listeners here? Well, I, I think if, uh, if, there are any, if they're interested in anything I've talked about as far as if I can help them in hiring people, help them in any way that way, I'm happy to give them 20-minute consulting free. Just right. call me up and we'll talk. If I can't help you, I can probably point you in the right direction. Well, Michael, it was great having you on the Business Superfan podcast. I hope you had a great time here. And I did. Thank you much. And we look forward to having you on the show in the near future. I love your book, Fred. Thank you. Fred. I appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> thank you. We hope you took away some useful knowledge from today's episode of the Business Superfans Podcast. The path to success relies on taking action. So go over to businesssuperfans.com and get your hands on the book if you haven't already. Join the Accelerator community and take that first step in generating a team of passionate supporters for your business. Join us on the next episode as we continue guiding you on your journey to achieve flourishing success in business. Thanks for tuning in to today's Business Superfans podcast. If you found value in our dive into creating superfans for lasting success, show some love, hit like and subscribe for future episodes, and share with your network to spread the insights. We'd appreciate if you would write us a review as it helps our show. Your support is everything and fuels more content to boost your business. Till next time, keep rocking, superfans, superstars. We hope you took away some useful knowledge from today's episode of the Business Superfans Podcast. The path to success relies on taking action. So go over to businesssuperfans.com and get your hands on the book if you haven't already. Join the Accelerator community and take that first step in generating a team of passionate supporters for your business. Join us on the next episode as we continue guiding you on your journey to achieve flourishing success in business.